Welcome to Home of the Brave. I slept next to the river and woke up in the morning not knowing where I was. I sat up and looked at the river going by, smooth and silent. On the other side, a grassland prairie reaching to hills with pine trees on the ridgelines. It had to be the Great Plains. I was in America. The river was the Yellowstone. I checked my cell phone. September 11th, 2020. 19 years ago, people were jumping from the buildings. 19 years ago, we went to war. And then another war. And another war. I stood up and looked around. I was alone, so I was safe. But I needed coffee. 7-Eleven, not 9-Eleven. Coffee. On the way out of the campground, I saw two older guys. Gray hair who were also camping out. They had a boat, a skiff with a small jet engine, and they had a fire and were holding cups with steam rising, so I stopped to make some friends. Richard Smith and Carl Gunn from Billings. Richard did most of the talking. Are you going to vote for Trump? Who are you going to vote for? If I'm feeling really demonic and would like to see the fall of, any, of so-called democracy, I would vote for Trump. But Trump is uh, definitely an Adolf Hitler. I mean, I, you can see the parallels. If you knew anything about pre-Nazi uh, uh, Germany, early Nazi Germany, uh, he could be Hitler reincarnated. I don't believe in that stuff, really. Logically, it doesn't fit my brain, but... Reincarnation. I, you know, I, I give it a little... I entertain the notion, and the timing would be right. You know, it goes in the provisional file. I'll, I'll give it some thought. I always think of Mussolini yeah. as yeah. opposed to Hitler. Have you well, seen Hitler, Hitler was an intelligent dictator. Trump's a dumbass. <laughs> he really is. He's quite good at TV, though. He played the most powerful man on TV, and then he actually became yeah. the most powerful. No one's pulled that off, so he can't be an idiot. Oh, well, there's different kinds of intelligence, right, and right. one of them is called sociopathic or criminal intelligence, okay? That's Stalin, Mussolini, all those characters, and he fits. I mean, he's right there. He's a con man through and through. You know, he's all about himself. He doesn't give a flying fuck about the welfare of other people, though he pretends, hey, you, you know, if you side with me, I'll pull you up. Well, you know, if it goes that way, even though I drew blood for this country and stuff, I kind of like... I guess I'm okay with it falling flat on its face. I think it's maybe it's about time, you know, this experiment, it, it uh, had noble intentions maybe, but I think the pattern that America has been stuck on has been slavery and masters all along. One segment of society does all the shit work and another segment of society makes all the money. And, uh, you know, I was raised... Uh, I joined the Marines and went to Vietnam partly because I was well indoctrinated. <laughs> That's about it. I believed in all this stuff. And I, I didn't even think there was any other alternative, you know, besides serving your country back when I was 19 years old. I was pretty uh, naive. Uh, when did you change? We were one way when you were 19. I guess the war changed it, or what happened? Well, um, yeah, maybe. Vietnam. Um, my very first day over there, I jumped on this little 
three-quarter ton truck, I think it was, with about five other guys to be taken to our respective units, our assigned units. And so we pile in the back and off we go down the road. It was completely bizarre because it was like being on Mars. Everything was weird and different. The smells, the sounds of their voices. Uh, it was just alien, really alien. Well, somewhere down the road, it's, it's up on a levee type thing. It's elevated above the rice paddies and it's two lane. Tr and it's paved and we're going at you know full speed for a military truck about 45 miles an hour. And suddenly our guard says, watch this. And he lays his M14 down on the sandbags. He grabs the sandbag. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? And there's really nothing on the road except somebody on a bicycle up there. And he, as we approach, he takes that sandbag and he slams that little old man between the shoulder blades. That was, you know, I had two thoughts. I thought, we're the bad guys, and we're going to lose this war. And it was a clusterfuck from that day on. We lost more guys to our fucking stupid leaders than we did to the kooks. You, when you combine arrogance and, and incompetence, oh boy, that's a deadly combination. <laughs> anyway. So how do you uh, rise above that, or how do you live a good life when that happened when you were young? First of all, we're assuming I've lived a good life. Uh, there's been, uh, I believe in uh, equilibrium, so I've had a little evil in there too, okay? Uh, okay right. But uh, maybe my standards are low, I don't know. But this here, these, this cottonwood grove, this is the most satisfaction I've had in a long time. The Yellowstone River runs into the Missouri River on the border of Montana and North Dakota, about 70 miles south of Canada, way up there. At the confluence of the two rivers, there's a visitor center with historical exhibits about the first white people who came here. They came up the river in boats. First, the U.S. military in 1805. Captains Lewis and Clark in boats with oars and sails and a cannon mounted in the bow to scare the natives. Then came the fur companies. They built a fortress at the confluence to trade with the natives for beaver and buffalo hides. In 1832, the first steamboat paddle wheel made it all the way up the river to the fortress on the confluence, carrying two and a half tons of beads, five tons of gunpowder, 10 tons of lead, six tons of tobacco, and five and a half tons of alcohol. Sitting Bull was born on the Missouri River in 1831, so he was a year old when the first steamboat chugged by his village. He spent the rest of his life fighting the people and the culture that came upriver on those boats, the people and culture that turned the land into property and its resources into profits. Sitting Bull was a gifted leader who could bring together opposing tribes. He gathered the tribes that defeated Custer's 7th Cavalry. They came together in his camp. 
his people, the Hunkpapa Oyate, ended up on the Standing Rock Reservation, and he was killed there while resisting arrest, 59 years old. I went there to the Standing Rock Reservation on the western side of the Missouri River. I stopped on the highway where the Dakota Access Pipeline protest took place four years ago. The field that held teepees and yurts and 10,000 water protectors had grown back to where you'd never know the protest ever happened. The bridge where the battle took place at night in the snow with military police shooting water cannons and rubber bullets it's also grown back to where you never know it happened. The pipeline is there, somewhere, running under the river, but there's no sign of its path. There were two women going for a walk along a road near the river. I asked them if I could join them. Brenda Cordova and Nicole Thunderhawk Archambault. Well, it's nice I can just walk right in the middle of the road. <laughs> <laughs> it's this no is problem. The you can do that <laughs> until you hear a car. This is a walking path, walking trail. Um, I was here at the protest four years ago. Oh yeah. A few times, yeah. It was nice at first. Was it? Well, at the beginning, it was really, really nice. It was beautiful. It was teepees, and every time that I went out there, there was been another flag set up from different parts of the state. And they would have uh, their um, culture do dancing and stuff like that. And people telling stories, just sharing, you know. Like uh, Brenda said, it was, it was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. Um, to see people come together to offer their prayers and their support. And it just gave you the sense of pride that I don't know if I ever, that I never felt in it was a beautiful thing to feel that love, I guess, for each other. How it used to be back in the day. Then things started to get worse, you know, towards the end. It started to bother me, you know, it started to bother me inside. It just was, um, made you feel sad, you know. I met a lot of people of all nationalities. And there's some are so nice, and then there's some are so rude. So what can you do? You just ignore them. So I just kind of backed away and just started going to sweats with the ladies and stuff and being able to jump in the river afterwards in the moonlight. It was so beautiful. These young girls singing. Oh, it was nice. Good memories. What was it that made you sad, do you think? I mean, it's well, hard. This, you know, this fighting with each other, you know hitting and people getting hurt and on the road yeah, at the bridge yes. down there yes exactly so that was one of the things that was not good they put the pipeline in right it's under the river now yes. and then had there been any problems with it that you know of i think there's been a couple of leaks but they've been up north huh. not down here yeah i don't they tell us anyway if, even if there was <laughs> Well, so how do you feel about this election coming up? It's kind of scary, I, I think, that to think that Donald Trump would still have another chance at, to continue to do what he's doing, which is to divide. I don't know, I think I think about that on a daily basis. <laughs> no. But I think it also gives people a chance to say, 
I can say whatever I want. And I think that America is known for, you know, having that freedom to do that. Yeah. But I don't know if, if by having that freedom that it's okay to say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, your actual thoughts coming out and out of your mouth <laughs> sometimes are like... <laughs> without thinking <laughs> but you know I think that uh, as gr growing up here in North Dakota yeah uh, and you it, it's like we've known how people feel about the American Indian population yeah and you don't even have to say anything you can feel it it's just okay rumors huh. it's just our slang or again Again. <laughs> like, you know, like a slang word. Okay. It's just... Again, yeah. Again. It happened again. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Look, this must be the end of the road. <laughs> Come on. Hey. You leave. Yeah. You know. Okay. So long. I was at the casino gas station still on the reservation. There was a guy sitting in his truck, and it looked like he might be praying. He said his name was Gerald Ironshield, and that he lived about 20 minutes down the road. So, are you a spiritual person? Well, everybody is. Everybody has that. Yeah. Do you think Trump's spiritual? Well, he's got it there, but He's like the guy that they always think about is big hole in his stomach and he can never fill that with money. He wow. never never gets enough. Some it's, people like that about him. Just sickness. Yeah. But I talked to some people they say he's a businessman and that's okay, that's what we need right now. That's he spread that around. Yeah. They don't care about people down here, the birds. The people, you know. Less fortunate, they, they don't care. Yeah, we have to go through this, this man that, they, I heard him say anti-Christ, and look at the destruction that's following him. You know, it's everybody's sickness of that money, so they gotta, they gotta be better than everybody else. You know, we're not, we're supposed to get along. How are things going here? How's your How are things going for you now, lately? For me, you at the beginning you said something about a spiritual person. Yeah, I uh, I believe in them always, and I uh, not to talk about myself, but there's just there's a spiritual way of to live, and the Creator gave it to us to live that way, treat each other good. So that's what makes my day. And I have to pray for that knucklehead up there in that office, whether I like it or not. Why? Because it, it, we have a chance to do better for our land. Instead of ripping up everything, taking all the, extracting everything from Mother Earth, you know, we can respect that. We can find other ways to just live.
We can't go on in the world thinking our race is the only one. We have to pray for everybody. So if Trump wins, what do you think will be like if he wins again? Well, it'll, it, it would come to that time where things will change. And maybe it's supposed to. You know, we had Christmas here a couple years ago, and there are signs that there's something coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah, we seen a big ball boom, and it shook the world, I think. We were praying down here that Christmas night and there a big ball just boom everybody just like a ball of lightning yeah I've heard about those yeah on that night and so what was the interpretation or what do you think it meant we were just I don't know we were we can't explain those things we can't the actions of the creator he he lets people that believe see and hear what his, his messages are in other words get ready I guess and it's time's coming get ready we, we can't make sense we don't want to make sense of it we just go with the way we pray and that's the only thing that's missing in this whole world who is the main boss well thank you very much I appreciate you talking to me um, did I give you my card oh let yeah. me let me get my card I knew I was down off the great plains onto the low plains when I started seeing farms along the highway first there were fields of sunflowers then soybeans, then corn, farm after farm for hundreds of miles in all directions. They call it the heartland. The people who live here produce the food that's eaten by people who live in the cities, like me, but we give them very little or no respect in return. We make jokes about their ignorance. We scold them for their methods of mass production while consuming the fruit of their labor. The people who live in the heartland are predominantly white, predominantly Christian, and now they are predominantly Trump supporters. I believe because Trump speaks of the evils of urban society and the threat it poses to the heartland. I believe this because it's what people told me over and over. They spoke of the riots, the looting, the breakdown of law and order, their hearts filling with emotion, and all reason was lost. Pretty soon they'd be saying how they no longer watch the NFL and the virus is a hoax, and then they talk about their guns and end up vowing to die defending their country. It seemed like they were all possessed by the same demon, the demon of patriotism. For example, far downstream from Standing Rock, past Omaha, almost to Kansas City, I stopped at another visitor center, this one dedicated to Lewis and Clark. The building was closed due to COVID, 
but outside on the lawn, up on blocks, there was a life-size replica of the boats Lewis and Clark used in 1805. The man who built the boat was there, and he invited me to come aboard. <coughs> well, I talk a lot. I'm a talker. That's all right. That's good. So the one thing I'm, I'm talking about with everybody are political things. What now? The reason why I'm driving down the river is it's just a route, but basically I've been asking people political questions. I have no problem with that. Political stuff? I have no problem with that at all. Okay, all I'm right. a Trump Republican. I'm proud of it. Huh. Well, okay, let's start with <laughs> I want to come back to that. That's fine. But let's, I'd rather have you... You ask the question, I'll answer it. Okay, them. so tell me your name and where we are now. Uh, my name is Butch Bovier. We pronounce it Bovier. Uh, spelled the same as Jacqueline Kennedy's name was. She pronounced it Bouvier. I'm definitely French, everybody says, but actually I'm Swiss. Really? <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. Uh, so what kind of boat is this? Well, Lewis and Clark called it a Pirot, okay? But in fact, design-wise, I would call it a Mackinac boat of the early 1800s. But it's, okay, it's let me boat. guess. It's, it's 40, uh, 41 foot long. Okay, 41 foot weighs long. Weighs three, three tons, right. and it can carry six tons. And it can carry that six tons in water, uh, 12 inches deep. It's a cargo boat. Cargo boat, absolutely. It's a work boat. I've done 17 of these, and uh, I'm 74 years old, and I built this one two years ago. Took it down the river 127 miles and did educational programs for 2,600 kids. Came home, had a major heart attack, so now I'm recovering from bypass surgery, but we're talking brown water river travel, inland waterways. Inland waterways. Absolutely. Okay, so you said you're a Trump supporter. I am. But what else did you say about Trump? What, um, I didn't say anything. I said we're just. I'm just a Trump supporter. I I am concerned. There is a far left, in my opinion, that would destroy this country and run it down the tubes just to beat him. What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? I don't get it. I don't get it. Now you, is Trump? Here's wrong? another thing. Is Trump a nice, wonderful guy? He's a jerk. But you know what? The right man at the right time. Kind of like, and I actually compare him, laugh all you want, to Churchill. Huh. Churchill was the right man at the right time. As soon as the war was over, he was no longer the right man. The war's not over for us yet, in my you opinion. Think we're at war, and that's why Trump's okay? I've got a sneaky hunch that, that when this election's over, should he come out supposedly on the top, there'll be a civil war in this country. And that so, bothers me. I don't like that. How will that, like how will that happen? How will the civil war happen? In this country? Yeah, I mean, okay, say... My Trump. God, they're burning, they're burning, they're burning cities down right now because of the, of the, uh, the Black Lives Matter and the, and the Antifa. They're going out and burning cities down. But that's really an over-exaggeration by leaps and bounds. They're not burning cities down. <laughs> sure looked like to me, or sure looked to me like that. Uh, some of them were burning pretty good. It's just the one shot of one place. It's not the whole city. It's just like how many cities do you believe they burnt right now? How many riots have have actually burned business districts out? In how many cities in this country? Would you guess maybe ten? Ten different cities have had have had riots that burned business districts out. But these guys are not organized. They can't really mount a revolution. <laughs> you don't, I mean, really, do you no. think that they can? No, no. Uh, so, they're, they're only organized as far as the people paying them will go and the people organizing them, and that's George Soros and his bunch. And I don't know how far up it goes in the chain after that, but these people aren't bright enough. Listen, 
Listen, okay. these people want to start a revolution. I'm here to tell you they couldn't start a lawnmower. And, and trust me, they don't hold a candle. They don't hold a candle to the people I know. <clears throat> do you really believe, do you really believe for a moment that if Antifa walked into small town USA in Iowa and said, we're going to burn it down, that everybody that lives there, probably everybody owns a gun, everybody's a hunter, half of them are ex-military. Are you serious? Are you deadly serious? I kind of got the feeling that there's a militia around here. So I had the last time there's a There's a militia in my glove box, dude. We don't go without weapons around here. I mean, let them come here and try their shit. They won't last very long. Civil unrest like that, you can't tolerate. You'll have no country left at all. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go out and get in the street and be stupid, then it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. There are rules that you have to live by. And uh, your, your impression of the whole situation is that you can burn a city here or there and it's not that big a deal. I think that's a bunch of shit. I think that's absolute bullshit. You're going to roll over and play dead and they're going to come burn your goddamn house the next time. But where's it going to stop? You gonna let them in? Let them let them let them burn your house down? Well, I kill don't, you? I don't where, see. Where it, does it stop? I dude? don't see it on that level. I don't I'm not worried well, that worried about it. I hope like hell you don't have to experience it on that level. I see it as a potential, and I'm not gonna let it go. I won't let it go. Okay. You know, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. But, but you come to burn my house or injure my family, I'm, I'm you'll be a, dead in the street. I'm not saying that. I didn't imply anything like that. Did you feel like I was implying something like well, that? Well, I thought you were implying that just 10 cities was not that big a deal. Um, it's a big deal. I was saying that maybe, in my opinion, it's just an opinion, you're over-exaggerating the actual threat. That's absolutely your right in this country to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're underestimating it. All right. So okay. we can agree to disagree. Okay, this is the opinion that I heard, and maybe I hear it again. Well, I have heard it actually before. Oh, you've heard it before. But, you gotta, um, you gotta ask. Okay, but I'm gonna turn this off now. I bid him a quick adieu because he was coughing and foaming up a bit around the mouth, and I wasn't wearing a face mask. Also, I didn't want to fight the demon of patriotism. Fighting only makes it stronger. Do I love my country? I love the land and some of the people, some of the time, but I don't love the government. I don't believe God wrote the Constitution. Would I be brave enough to fight and die for my country? That depends. First, I'd want to know, what is the threat? Where is the threat? Who is the threat? Maybe the threat is inside of us, not outside of us. Maybe the threat is patriotism itself. For 19 years, we fought the war on terrorism, and we've only produced more terrorists, increasing the threat. And now we threaten each other here at home. It's like an ever-expanding market of fear, and we can't get enough of it. This is what patriotism means to me. Or this is what I was thinking as I drove through fields of corn, looking for a place to sleep in the heartland. <laughs>